this morning. There's something in my presentation in Bible class that I forgot to mention. And we have an older son that his picture was not in the slides. His name is Jared. He is a graduate of Freed Hardeman University. He has a BA in Bible missions and, a, and an MA in ministry. And he and I have plans to help Brother Pry Wan as funds start coming in, as funds permit, to begin a Bible school to train men to be preachers. And, you know, not all men will be preachers, so we kind of call it a church leader Bible training school. Some men will be Bible class teachers. Some men will just be faithful men of the congregation who know the Scriptures. So we will, we will have a church leaders Bible training school and my son and I will probably alternate going and teaching in it and probably one teaching in it as well. Now to my lesson. I'm sorry I forgot to mention that in the presentation earlier. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 is a very detailed description about our living hope that we have and I want to read these 13 verses, if you will. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 13. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His, His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, though it may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though ye now not see him, yet, re yet believe, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, and prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified before of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not for themselves but unto us they did minister these things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, 
and hope to the end for the grace that should be brought unto you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. I want to make some comments about this passage of Scripture this morning and kind of explain it and get some application out of it for us that, that we can take away from here this morning and use it in our lives either to make us better Christians or to build us up to edify us in the most holy faith. Whatever we need, maybe this will help with that this morning. So I'm going to try to explain some of these scriptures this morning. Number one, verse three. How is it that we have a living hope? How is it that we even have hope to begin with? By the way, let me explain what hope is in the New Testament. Hope is not a wishful thinking that's attached with a little bit of doubt. Well, I hope I make it to heaven. That's not what the New Testament talks about when it, when it says hope. When we talk about the hope that we have of eternal life, it is a desire. I desire to have eternal life, but it's a desire that's coupled with expectation because I'm in Christ, because I'm living the best way I know how, because of the grace of God that has saved me from my sins, because of my obedient faith coupled with the grace of God, I expect eternal life. I expect a reward. I expect to have eternal life. I desire it, but I also expect it. That's what hope is. It's a desire coupled with earnest expectation. And this is a living hope that we have an expectant desire that we have of the hope that is in heaven. Well, how do we even have this to begin with? How do we have this hope? Number one, Peter said, he be, he, we are begotten by Him unto this hope. Well, how are we born to a living hope? Peter also said in chapter 1, I'm not going to read it, it's at, it's at the end of this chapter. He said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the living word of God, which liveth, or by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. When that seed is sown in our heart, you remember Jesus told a parable about the, the, the soils, sowing the seed into the, the, to the good heart. When that seed is sown into our heart and it grows and it springs forth, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, Mark chapter 4, verses 27 through 29, and then the farmer puts forth the sickle and harvests it, that seed grows in our heart. We are begotten by a seed. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born of the Spirit and the water, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that Spirit is the Word of God. Peter even said himself in this chapter that the holy men who were guided by the Spirit, I can't remember which verse that was, Verse 12, these prophets, these holy men, this testimony, I'm, we're going get, to get to this point, but this testimony that was revealed to them, how? From the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. When we read this Word of God, when we 
take this into our minds and our hearts, that's the Spirit leading us and guiding us. We let that lead us and guide us, and the Spirit directs us through the Word of God. We are begotten unto a living hope by the Spirit. Did you ever consider that you are born of the Spirit? Jesus said, unless you're born of the water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You are born of the Spirit. Guess who else was? Mary, you're highly favored among women. You're going to be the mother of the Most High. How? I've never seen it. I've never been with a man. It's by the Spirit. Our Savior was also born of the Spirit. He was conceived of the Spirit. You're conceived of the Spirit. I'm conceived of the Spirit. That's why we have a living hope. That's why we have a hope and we're going to go on and talk about what this hope is. Well, how else do we have this living hope? Well, it's by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. What did I mention this morning in Romans chapter 6? He who raised up Him will also raise up you to walk in newness of life. As Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, even so you should walk in newness of life. Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father. We are going to be raised up by the glory of the Father. Just as Christ was raised from the dead and went up to heaven to be with the Father, John said, we don't know yet what we will shall be, but we know that when we, are, when we will be like Him and we shall see Him as He is. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I don't know what Jesus looks like right now, but I know that when I'm put on incorruption, when my mortal puts on immortality, it's going, to be, it's going to be like Jesus Christ. And because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead, we have a living hope. So we have a living hope because of God's abundant mercy. I'm sorry I skipped that one. Mercy. Oh my goodness. Compassion. That's what that word means. That's the definition of that word mercy as Peter uses it. For God so loved the world. Not that we loved Him, but He first loved us. 1 John chapter 4. Because of God's compassion. Because of His favor. We have a living hope. God does not want anyone to perish, but that all men should come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's describe this inheritance. I mean this, let's describe this living hope. Well, number one, Peter said it's an inheritance. Do you have your eternal inheritance yet? Not yet, do we? But if I ask you, are you saved? You would say yes. Well, then what do we have now? If we don't have our inheritance, what do we have now? We have the sealing of the Spirit and the down payment of our inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, the earnest of the Spirit. What is earnest money? If you buy a house, what is earnest money? 
It's a promise. You hold this house for me, I promise I will pay in full. We have a promise from God right now because of what we have done to walk pleasing in His sight. We have a promise from God that we're going to get a full payment later on. That's a living hope. That's an expectation. That's a desire coupled with expectation that I have and you have because God has promised it to us. Technology, it went off, sorry. Number two, this living hope is incorruptible. Can't rust. Can't be eaten by moths. You know what I'm referring to, don't you? It's that treasure in heaven. Treasure on earth will rust. It will canker. It will be eaten by moths. Somebody can break through and steal it. But not our living hope. It's incorruptible. It fadeth not away. I'm sorry, it's undefiled. That word means not polluted. It means that it's not tainted with something foreign. When I preached this sermon in Thailand, even through a translator, I got a laugh. I like my coffee unpolluted. Don't you give me cream in my coffee. Don't put any nasty sugar in my coffee. You you give me my coffee undefiled. (laughs) It fadeth not away. Our living hope is not temporary. It's not something that's going to be there one day and gone the next. It's forever eternal. It will never fade away. Where is it? It's reserved in heaven. What treasure have you laid up in heaven? that you've got reserved waiting for you. Brother V.P. Black used to teach in congregations. I don't know how many of you knew knew Brother Black. He used to teach in congregations to try to help them with their giving. And he wrote a book called Rust is a Witness that came from James chapter 5. I'm sorry, James chapter 4. About the um, riches, the danger of riches. About rust witnessing against us. Some people get to heaven, they've laid up so much treasure on earth, so much gold, so much things that are mammon, that are material, that when they get to heaven, their witness is going to be rust. Not the treasures of heaven. What's reserved in heaven waiting for us? 
if we're following God, if we've made the decision to be the disciple of Christ, to follow Jesus Christ, make Him the Lord of our lives, and live like He's the Lord of our lives so that He will confess us before His Father, then we've got a hope reserved for us in heaven waiting for us when we get there. It is for those who are kept by the power of God. That word kept is actually somewhat of a military term. And it's the same word that Paul used when he said, I'm persuaded that he will keep that which I've, I'm, I can't think of it. Help me out, Jeremy. That, that I've committed. He will keep that which I've committed. There's a song we sing about that. He'll guard that. He's keeping it. He's guarding it. It's ready for us. For those who are kept by the power of God. Through faith. That word through is very interesting. It's the Greek word dia. And it means by means of. It's by means of our faith. By means of our obedient faith. It's by means of us turning our lives over because we're so convinced and so persuaded and so overwhelmingly persuaded that we're so overwhelmingly convinced that Jesus is the only way, He's the only truth, He's the only life, that I've turned my life over to Him. And because of that kind of faith, my, my treasure... My hope is being kept for me by the power of God. When will I receive it? It will be revealed unto me at the last time when the Lord returns. Receiving the end of our faith, verse 9, even the salvation of our souls. Number 10 and 11, I'm sorry, I'm skipping 6 and 7. I completely skipped that. I'm, I'm really backwards on myself. What did I do? I'm really backwards on my slides, or really behind on my slides. We rejoice in our trials, verses 6 and 7. That's kind of hard to do as Christians, isn't it? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trial of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. Did you hear what James said? When you're tried, it builds your faith. When your faith is built, you become more complete you become more like the Christian that you ought to be. So he said, rejoice in your trials. Are you having a hard time doing that? He said, if any man lack wisdom, let him pray to God who gives to, to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Do we have trouble leaping for joy as, as Luke said in our trials? Pray to God, ask for wisdom, and we can rejoice in our trials. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, Peter said that suffering leads to completion. I won't try to quote the verse. 
trials. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Jesus said that the man who hears His words but does not do them is like the man that built his house on sand. When these storms came, the floods arose, the rain came, the winds came, His house fell, and great was the fall of it. But the man who hears His sayings and does them is like the man who built his house upon solid rock. When the floods came, the trials, the temptations, his house stood firm. What is our faith anchored on? Is it anchored on the rock that cannot move? When the cables stretch, when the storms pull at it, are they going to break? We have an anchor that keeps the soul. Paul, the writer of Hebrews, in my opinion, he said that Faith is our anchor. Verse 8 and 9. We don't yet see Christ. We don't yet see this inheritance, but yet we love Christ. We don't yet see Him, but we believe and we rejoice in receiving the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. The end is the word... Teleos, which means the completion. What are you working for as Christians? Why do you come here every Sunday? Why do you try to watch your language? Why do you try to watch your behavior? Young people, why do you try to guard your influence and, and guard yourselves against the influence of others? Because there's an end of your faith. There's something that you're running for. There's something that's a completion of your faith. You're running that Christian race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. There's an end to the race. There's an end to what's going to happen. And it's the salvation of your souls. That's why we do it. That's why we're living for Christ. That's why we are part of this thing called Christianity. Because we're going to receive what's at the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls, if we do it faithfully. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 18, Solomon said, Surely there's an end, and yes, the end is everlasting life. Now I've caught up. Peter said that the prophets who wrote about salvation in Christ diligently searched. What does this mean? They didn't understand what they were writing about. I think about the prophets and all they endured without really even understanding what they were writing about. Think about Jeremiah who endured being sometimes put in the stocks. We think of the pilgrims being put in stocks. Those things went back all the way to Jeremiah's day. Torture because of what he spoke. He's speaking to God's people, no doubt, no less. He was a prophet to Judah. 
Just like Isaiah was the prophet to Israel. They hated what Jeremiah said so much they put him in the stocks. But yet he wrote what the Spirit guided him to speak. I love what Micaiah in 1 Kings chapter 22, I believe it's around verse 9, or maybe even before that, that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came to Ahab. Oh my goodness, Ahab. <laughs> king of Israel. Ahab had called him and said, will you join us in fighting against the king of Syria? Help us build up our army that it might be stronger. So Ahab called 400 prophets of God to prophesy, will we win this battle? First thing Jehoshaphat wanted to know is all these prophets are in agreement. That's kind of fishy. Is there not yet one more prophet? Ahab said, yeah, there's one more, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies any good. He prophesies evil. So the prophets went to Micaiah and said, Tell him good that we'll all be one voice. Guess what Micaiah said? Whatever the Lord tells me, that I will speak. Whatever I'm guided in the Spirit, that I will speak. Anyway, um, these prophets knew that the prophecy they spoke was not for themselves, but it was for us. Now think about that for a moment. Sixty-six chapters in the book of Isaiah. It's easy to remember because it's the same number as the books of the Bible. Thirty-nine chapters of Isaiah, the same number of the books of the Old Testament, are warnings to Israel. If you don't repent, a nation from the north that's stronger than you is going to come take you away and, and keep you captive, which is what happened. Assyria took them captive. The last 23 chapters, the same as the books of the New 27 chapters, the same as the books of the New Testament. And this is not a hard, fast rule. This is just kind of an easy way to remember an outline of Isaiah. The last 27 chapters are about prophecies about Christ. Isaiah had no idea what he was writing about. But you know, brethren, there are 600 plus prophecies concerning Christ. And they're for you, and they're for me. Not the people of the Old Testament, but they were written for us so that we might have a living hope. Verse 17, angels desire to look into it. It's so peculiar to them that God would do this for humans that they desire to understand it and look into it. What is this all about? That God the Father sent His only begotten, His one-of-a-kind Son, miraculously conceived Son, to die for the human race. To hang on that tree as we thought about this morning, to drag his cross through the streets. It's so peculiar, the angels desire to look into it, mainly because there's no salvation for them. If they fall, they're fallen. There's no redemption for angels. So they desire to look into our salvation. 
So in conclusion, what are our instructions? Seeing that we have a living hope and seeing that it is incorruptible, undefiled, it fadeth not away, reserved in heaven, ready to be revealed for us at the last time. What are our instructions? Gird up the loins of your mind. This was a practice that was common in the culture of probably even dating back to the Old Testament times. When, I'll step out if I can. When the, when the robes were long down to the ground and the men wore a, a sash of some kind, a girdle of some kind, and if they had to move in a hurry, it was difficult with all that cloth, so they would gather it up and stick it in this sash. That was called girding up. Well, gird up the loins of your mind. What's in the way? What's keeping you from Christ? What's, what's keeping you from stepping out and coming and confessing your faith in Jesus Christ and stating that you want to become a child of God and a member of the church where salvation is found? What's keeping you from doing that? Gird it up. You know, brethren, it's amazing how much in the New Testament involves what's going on up here. We are created in the image of Christ by the renewing of our mind. It's got to take place here. What up here is keeping you from having this living hope? Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. That doesn't mean not inebriated. That means clear-minded. Be clear-minded. There, there's that mind again. Be clear-minded. And watch. For the hope that will be brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If there might be someone who needs to respond to the Lord's invitation, we invite you to come at this point. The gospel plan of salvation is quite simple. We have to have faith. Jesus said in John 8, 24, unless we believe that He is the Christ, we will die in our sins. That's pretty plain, isn't it? If we don't believe, we'll die in our sins. Well, how do I believe? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how shall they call upon the name of the Lord in whom they have not heard? How shall they, how shall they believe unless they have heard? How shall they hear except someone be sent? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We must repent of our sins. Luke 13, 3, and except we repent, we shall likewise perish. Acts 2, 38, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ for the remission of your sins. For with the mouth, confession is unto salvation. Romans 10, verse 10, in baptism, we must be baptized into Christ. Then we must remain faithful until death. Some translations say unto death. That means even in the face of death. Yes, that's what it means. But it also means until. From now on out. It's not so long for some people. 
They've lived their lives. They've lived faithfully. Something's ready for them in heaven now. You young people, you've got a long way to go. Live faithfully until death. You're going to be challenged when you get in college science. Don't turn away from Christ. God is still real. Live faithful until death. Have you fallen away? Have you been faithful? Have you lost your hope? You can come back. The Lord's got His arms open, ready to accept you. Cast your cares upon Him. He cares for you. If you need to respond, will you do so while we stand and sing?